For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today was one of the members of Jimmy Hart's first family in the Memphis Territory, along with Austin Idol, Dennis Condre, Kevin Sullivan, and others. He also worked in most of the independent promotions, held numerous singles and tag team titles. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Chick Donovan. Chick, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me, Brian. It's quite an honor just to be here to, to be able to express some feelings of wrestling, which has, you know, come uh, come a long way, uh, and sometimes uh, maybe uh, maybe more of a negative way from what we were raised in, in the business from the old timers teaching us the old school wrestling of, of wrestling, and not so much just uh, stuff. You know, wrestling is all about emotions. Now, and the old guys uh, uh, would take the, uh, well, assassin number one, assassin number two, for instance. That was mm-hmm. Jody Hamilton and uh, Tom Ernesto. Okay. Uh, they could take, they could have be on TV and a guy in his house, you hear the old stories about my, well, my granddad used to, he and I used to watch TV and he beat up the coffee table with a chair because <laughs> they had his emotions. Uh, in their pocket, no matter he was at home and they were on TV, but he still had their emotions. Yeah. Now the rest of got where it's just stuff, incredible stuff. I guess uh, I may be a little jealous of not being able to do all the flips and flops they do, which I mean, phenomenal stuff, but it, but it really doesn't have anything to do with wrestling because, like I said, wrestling is all about um, uh, people's emotions, bringing them up and down in their seat, back and forth and up and down, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, bringing them down and bringing them back up and getting them on yeah. their feet. and. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that that was the old school I was taught from Ole Anderson and uh, got all the older guys and yeah. uh, just uh, I was just fortunate enough to grow up uh, in my beginning years with with those guys. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're not the first uh, wrestler or individual I've talked to that uh, from that that era we call it the the golden era. Uh, about PBS era, PBS era, I call it. Yesterday. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a great time. I, I miss it as well as I'm sure a lot of people that are in my age group and maybe a little younger. But if you're under about forty, you don't, and you've never seen it, you won't remember any of it. So it's, it's a different time. I'm seventy, hitting seventy-five now, but I'm still in all my matches now. You know, yeah, you see all the stuff that the kids do. No matter what match I'm in, I'll, I'll do some wrestling. I'll take one one tackle drop down and get it again. Get some yeah. get some wrestling spots in there, and then uh, yeah. try to make all my finishes have a have a uh, a life lesson for the kids. Uh, the kids yeah. all around the ring, I take them around the ring with the belt and make a special night for them. But because uh, that's the that's the fans twenty years from now. So I still still want some of the old school wrestling, and then uh, I have a life lessons in my in, in at the end of my matches, like if. Uh, okay. Uh, for instance, uh, something I get mad about something, I'm gonna go beat up, say, go start to hit the referee or whatever. <laughs> then I gotta show restraint because he's the boss. I gotta yeah. show the kids that somebody, the Lord's, the Lord is a, uh, or our Father in heaven, or our Father, earthly Father. Uh, we have to show respect to, and we have to, we have to honor those. So I still, no matter how big you get in the, and how big you get or in, in life or whatever you obtain, you still have to answer to someone. Yep. And that's the lessons I like teaching the kids around the ring and, and, and all the matches that, that wherever I go. Yeah. And then to me, uh, the other day, I, I showed the result of that. The result of that could be this story, uh, incredible little story. I, I got cheated out of my, my belt, you know, the World Heavyweight Belt, whatever, it doesn't matter. 
I got cheated uh, in the match, and I lost the belt because I got cheated out of it. So this nine, I think eight or nine year old came to me. It's on the, it's streaming on the internet there somewhere, but the whole the comeback. But he came to me with his WWE, WWE belt and said, uh, "Chick, since you got cheated out of yours, I want you to have mine." Oh. <laughs> his heart was all over his head. I mean, his heart, it was so heartfelt. I mean, yeah. God, I, but he was so sincere. Since you got cheated out of your belt, I want you to have mine. Yeah. That's so the, the next the next show we had in the same place, I brought him in the ring, set him in the chair, gave him his belt back, made him Mr. Lagrange, and had all the boys come in and <laughs> congratulate him like he was the world. And he is the world champion. He's yeah. my champion. I guarantee you that. After he, yeah. he said, since you got cheated out, I want you to have mine. What what? So I guess all the 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 stuff that I do in the ring is is, is trans, translating back to the kids like I was hoping it would be. Yeah. That's but wonderful. that was That's Mark Bell. It was unbelievable. He, I want yeah. you to have tonight because you got cheated out of yours. Unbelievable, yeah. man. That, that's unbelievable. a great. That's a great story. That's, that's it wonderful. It's uh, just, you know, I I had it, somebody filmed all the stuff at the end, and <laughs> they said I was. You no, know, Betty White just passed away. Yeah. And you know why? The, they said I'm the Betty White of Lagrange, Georgia. <laughs> but I've done so much fundraisers and all kinds of stuff through the years, yeah. but. But that's that's a lot of responsibility to be a Betty White yeah. of, of a town. But yeah. uh, okay. anyway, I thought it was quite quite uh, rewarding for all the hard work we put in. Yeah, 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 sir. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, you growing up. Uh, you're, you're from Georgia, Lagrange, I believe, correct? Yes, sir, I am. All right, let's let's talk about uh, your childhood, uh, growing up in uh, Georgia. Yeah. You know, the kids now, they say, well, we ain't got nothing to do. So they stay on the telephone, bang with their thumbs on the video games. But, but uh, back we I dug me 18 holes in the backyard and had my stuff. In fact, I still got the same golf club here in my room right now. I'm looking at it. That I used back in the, back in the 50s uh, to hit around that 18-hole golf course I built in my backyard. I'll throw the ball on the roof and run and catch it. I'll throw myself passes. We always learned to keep ourselves busy, plus all the chores we had to do. Yeah. But um, – but as as a kid, I was always kind of uh, rejected. At, at, you know, was the last one picked for the team, or uh, I felt really insecure about myself because you know, I was kind of I don't know uh, I don't know what you call it. But anyway, that really gave me incentive to get into wrestling. I think to mm-hmm. to be the character because I know who I am and who I ain't. I know when I when I drive in that parking lot, when I go in that ring, I'm a superstar. I yeah. can be assertive. I can be as, as assertive I want to be in that ring. But when I leave that, when I leave that arena and leave that parking lot, I know who I am. I know yeah. that's, that's me there and who I am here. Frank Goodish, Bruiser Brody, mm-hmm. gave me that piece of advice years and years ago before he was killed in uh, in Puerto Rico. Yeah. That he knew the discipline, Frank Goodish, which is his name, and, and he knew who he was and who he wasn't. You know that and it always stuck with me to know who you are in the moment. And who you ain't when you leave there. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you get home, your Very wife's true. in charge. You know, <laughs> yeah. your wife's in charge now when you get home, so to speak. So, <laughs> you know, you got to you just got to know who you are then and, and who you are here. But in both cases, you still got to stay humble. You know, oh, yeah. uh, arrogant arrogance don't go anywhere, but humility goes a long ways. Because the way you get in, the way you get over the baby face or a good guy in wrestling is that you get in people's. You get in their mouth talking, get in their mind first, and you get in their mouth talking about you. Then you get in their heart. Right. And if you if you if you work for them, you work for the people. I always work for the fans. <coughs> uh, if you work for them, and you have and, and stay humble, well, they will follow you anywhere you want to go. Now, if you're a bad guy or a heel in wrestling, yeah, I'm doing a movie now called The Heels. But anyway, oh. side one. And a heel in wrestling, I try to teach the kids. They don't. You don't want you to. You don't want you them to like you so much. But you want them to respect you for your wrestling ability. Yeah. So if you got a young kid in the ring, you don't want to cheat. You don't want to go out there and cheat. You go out there and out wrestle him. Yeah. You want to get. You want to get known for your wrestling ability, and you want to get respected for that wrestling ability. And that's how you get over as as, as a heel or a bad guy in the business. I think. Yeah. Interesting. What I've learned through the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit how you got started in the business. Um, I've read it. Is it 1978? I don't know if it's earlier than that. Uh, you know, it's a little earlier than that. Okay, it's earlier than that. Maybe three years. Okay, let's talk about your training and how you got into wrestling. 
I'm sorry. Okay, I saw an ad in the paper for wrestlers and uh, in Macon, Georgia. I was a fireman uh, for there for about ten years or so, and a paramedic. In fact, I'm proud to say we helped. I helped. I uh, was on the ground floor starting all the EMS, uh, all the paramedic stuff or EMS stuff in Georgia. Okay. I had the first extrication tool, and uh, I was really proud of being that you know, at that point in the fire as a firefighter. Wow. But yeah, I uh, answered the ad that I saw in the paper for a wrestler. So. I was told by a few people, oh, you can't do that. I was about 120 pounds because I was working four full-time jobs, yeah. three hospital jobs on, on my day off in the fire floor. Oh, wow. So it was, four, it was four, four full-time jobs, 24 hours a day, seven days a week I was working. Wow. I was about 120 pounds. I answered this ad, so I went over to talk to the guy. Grady Odom is his name in Macon, Georgia. He mm-hmm. he, he started the, the wrestling there. I always started uh, that particular entity there mm-hmm. at the, the wrestling school. Okay. So anyway, after I started, I started training. I, I quit one of the jobs so I had time to train every day, mm-hmm. and uh, and I gained 100 pounds. I had to gain 100 pounds in a year to get to get really get started. So I started eating, eating, and yeah. eating enough to put that 100 pounds on in about a, in less than a year's time, and uh, oh. and then started and then started having matches. But uh, just tell the kids that you get to a story to relate a story, and I'll get right back to where we were just at. Okay, I want to make a point. Okay. I remember one time I had to be at TV at TBS at eight o'clock that morning, mm-hmm. and and I went to get in my car, and it, it was broke down, oh. and it wasn't cranked. So I'm in uh, in in Macon, Georgia, on Highway 475 at, at that point. Mm-hmm. So we were going on uh, we were going on tour that coming week. So I had a I had a, my wrestling bag, heavy as lead, and I had a suit bag full of clothes, and I had a suitcase that had wheels on it. My car won't go, but I'm determined to make TV. Yeah. So here I go, pulling that suitcase. It's on wheels at this point. Yeah. I got a heavy suit bag across my arm and my wrestling bag in, uh, in my hand. Yeah. Now I'm walking up Highway 475. Now I got to 75. Now I'm walking up 75. So you can do what you want to do if you want to do it bad enough, brother. Yeah. There ain't nothing to stop you if you want to do it bad. So I'm walking up Highway 75 to TV, 14th Street in Atlanta to get a TBS. Mm-hmm. With this suitcase. Now, by this time, the suitcase is the wheels are gone. The suitcase is dragging on the ground. It's got a big hole in it for dragging on the highway. Yeah. But I'm walking. To, I'm gonna get the TV. Ain't nothing gonna stop me if I get in the TV. <laughs> so, so I finally get a ride. I don't know. I don't remember how how far I walked, but I walked enough to get a big hole in that suitcase, dragging on that stuff. But the whole point I'm saying is, I was 120 pounds, and I wanted to be a wrestler. So I did whatever it took. Yeah. We worked every night in the ring. We worked. I ate and ate and worked and worked out. Started working out with weights, working out, working out, working out, and and just working really hard to get that hundred up to two twenty. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be two twenty, but that's about what we needed in those days to mm-hmm. to be formidable. And training every night in that ring, and then uh, just about every day in the ring. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but walking to TV because I didn't want I didn't want to miss that TV. So so guys, no matter what you want, if you want to do it bad enough. Yeah. You'll just get up, figure out how to do it, and go do it. I mean, nobody yeah. can stop you from doing anything you want to do but yourself. Yeah. So back anyway, back when you asked me, back when I was a kid, I kind of picked on it as a kid. Yeah. So, you know, I could always be that character ring. I wanted to be that assertive character. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, but I know who that assertive character is and who this passive character is. So, mm-hmm. But anything you want to do, guys, just uh, put your mind to it and go do it. Yeah. Oh, I I agree. Sometimes it, it, you know, you get challenges in life, but you gotta, like you said, you you walked, so you can overcome it if you really want to, you know. That's right. So if you want to do it bad enough, you do it. Yep. So let's talk a little bit. You know, uh, put your push. Who gave you the push to have? Because you know, you're a well-known wrestler from the '80s and, and, and '90s. Uh, yeah. Who gave you that well, big push? Well, I guess in Memphis, uh, with the first family was the was the first real big push. Now Louisiana had a little push, uh, in Florida. Yeah. Uh but I think the first family really, uh Jimmy Hart uh really uh, uh put me with the first family and yeah. And, and uh I think that was uh probably the beginning of, of my biggest push was right there in Memphis. Yeah. I'll tell you I met Jimmy Hart uh probably a month ago, uh, really? in, in, in Harrison, Arkansas, he was at an event there for Mid-States uh, Wrestling. Uh, nice guy. Uh, very humble. 
And uh, I didn't realize how old he was. Uh, he's he's older than I thought. And uh, but how old, a, how old is he? He's seventy nine years old. He's seventy nine. Yeah. Yeah, he's 79 well, I'm, I'm years old. I didn't know he was older than me. But, yeah, uh, but, yeah, but well, he's a nice guy. Uh, talked to him for a few minutes. You know, there was a big line, so I didn't talk to him too long. But very nice guy. So uh, interesting that when I found that you were part of that first family, I kind of went back to that and, and Jimmy Hart. So that's great. So I think, uh, uh, something that I can re uh talk about something about Jimmy Hart in, in relation to what I just talked about, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, Jimmy Hart had gold re- had uh, platinum records out. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon Girl was on one of them. has been remade several times since, but he, he recorded on the same, in the same studio with Elvis, and, and although he was on that same category, not, maybe not quite as far out as Elvis, but he was one of the main characters in, in the music business. Yeah. So he, you know, he had, like I said, platinum records. Now, in the wrestling business, he took all these bumps. He was they uh, Jerry Lawler just treated him so so badly. You know, it was, in, it was all work in the in the business, but he took so many bumps from every direction you can imagine. So, yeah. I guess the point I'm saying he he was he, he knew who he was at the record in the record studio, and he knew he, who he was in wrestling, yeah. and who he is outside the business. So, yeah. so like I said, you got to know who you are in any in, in entity that you're associated with. Yeah. When you when you when you figure that out, then I think you're uh, uh, you can then you can be productive in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about your traveling. I know you've been a lot of different places, uh, Japan, all over the states. What was yeah. your what what's some of your memorable travel experiences that you? Well, the Memphis area was about two, three thousand miles a week. I mean, that was, yeah, that was on Tuesday, Monday night we'd work in Memphis, and Tuesday night we'd be in uh, Louisville, Louisville Gardens, and Louisville, uh, in Louisville, whatever it is, Kentucky somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's a lot of traveling in the, in the now. The Continental Territory is only eight or nine hundred miles a week down in, in the Pensacola area. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, the Texas Territory was pretty nice. The and uh, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But uh, wherever you go, though, is you don't have to travel. You know, from 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 town to town. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was your favorite? I guess who was your favorite person you like traveling with? That you could talk to and stories, or you know, get some yeah, ideas or something like that. Was there probably, anybody uh, no. Now my back was so bad at one time I had to get shots to get to walk to just to walk to the ring because those days if you there wasn't no uh, injury reserve list if you right. didn't if you didn't walk to the aisle your name was raced off the list so honky tonk man Wayne Ferris he was in the first round with him but uh, we were together in Texas and I couldn't walk to the ring I, I'd get those shots in the back from the doctor in the dressing room I'd get those shots and then I'd walk to the ring I'd get to the ring and get back and he'd be, He'd have to pick me up and carry me from the dressing room and carry and lay me in the car and pick me up in the car and lay me in bed at home. Wow. Wow. So so he and I made a lot of trips together. Um, yeah. He was one that, uh, you know, really, we we're, and we went to the gym together and uh, did a lot. But Kevin Sullivan was another one. We, we spent a lot of time together in the Memphis area and working out together. And uh, we factory roomed together in different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that's the uh, maybe nobody even knows who he is, but back in the '80s when I was in California, mm-hmm. uh, John Tolis, the Golden Greek, John Tolis. I've heard of him. Yep. Yeah, he's been passed away a long time, but yeah. he was really, really wise man, and he really helped me. I sit and listen and talk. Uh, the Great Malenko was another one on, on a thirty-minute conversation. I had the belt in uh, in Tampa. And uh, and was having trouble with it, and in the matches, mm-hmm. and 30 minutes later he had me straightened out. The old wise man sit and listen, brother. That's you know, all yeah. the young guys, business and young guys anywhere. Just sit and listen to your mentors. The mentors ain't gonna think, ain't gonna lead you in the wrong direction. Just listen, listen, and, and follow what they say. And uh, it cost me 30 years of my career. I listened, but I didn't heed. So yeah. I. I Cost me about thirty years of my career that uh, I was in. I missed the point. Yeah, I, I was going through all the motions, but I, I was in the junk so much. One thing or another was more important at that particular moment in time that I kind of missed. I missed a lot of my. I missed a lot of push because 
I was off point. Now I teach the point to the kids wherever we go talk. Yeah. And the schools and whatever, it's all about staying on task, staying on the point, staying off the street corner, and staying yeah. on task. Whatever you want to accomplish in life, just stay on it, baby. Yeah. Just forge your head and don't let nobody stop you. Yeah. 100%. 100% yeah. agree. Let's talk about some uh, chemistry. Did you have any particular person you can remember that you just really enjoyed working with in the ring? As a as a guys and they would and, and they all wrestled that same guy they'd always hate us and who it was Brad Armstrong. Yeah, I've heard they, that name before. Would you Brad Armstrong, I guarantee you, because he was like they say, like a night off is is the term we used in the business. I know yeah. was Rick Flair. It was Flair. Uh, mm-hmm. He was he was the man. He he made uh, NWA what it is today. I think what it was in the in the past, but uh, yeah, Flair was amazing. The Flair was the wrestler. Yeah, uh, but who else? Uh, Ricky Steamboat was another I enjoyed. He he really uh, we had some great matches. Yeah, but those okay. guys, you know, anybody can have a good match. I think they were so yeah. talented. That's what um, I. Paul Warndorf is another one that, that I really Warndorf. respected a lot. Yeah, he's a good Christian guy. Um, <laughs> trying to think, uh, but but there was a few there. But uh, Brad was probably. One that was uh, well, Tommy Rogers. He's passed away now. Of course, Brad mm-hmm. has passed away as well. But Tommy and I might have good matches. Yeah, uh, he was. You know, we, we were very good together in the ring. It's yeah. all about respect for each other. If you got respect yeah. for each other, you're gonna have a good match. If you don't, you probably won't. Yeah, kind of line. But uh, yeah. we all yeah. respect each other. We go out and do what we got to do, beat each other up, but we still got whole respect for each other for all the work we put in to, to get where we're at. Oh yeah, at yeah. that moment. Indeed. But but answer your question, I think Brad would be number one in anybody's book. Yeah. I've heard that name before. I've heard that one and Steamboat a lot. Uh, yeah. They've worked with them. They were great to work with. Yeah. Uh, what about, uh, you know, you did some tag team for a while. Who, do you, in your mind, was your, probably one of your one of your favorite uh, well, partners? Well, and your fan, Stan Hansen, and I, well, now Stan was another man that – Back up just a moment. Now, the other question yep. you asked, but Stan and I were really close. We made a lot of trips together on the road, and, uh, and he was uh, quite an icon. And uh, he got me in Japan. But we tagged together in Japan a lot. But uh, the one who really told me how to tag team was Rip Rogers. Now he's still probably wrestling now. He's my almost my age, I guess. But yeah. but uh, he had so many nuances, and and but I've learned how to tag team with him. Yeah, and we, we worked a lot with Ole and Thunderbolt Patterson a lot, different places oh, cool. around the country. But uh, but uh, Rip taught me how to how to tag team. I think because a lot of a lot of different things you do to to make yeah. a good tag team. Yeah, Little and kind of things you go through to to make it yeah. make it right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I understand that. Let me ask you this, and, and you know, if you don't feel comfortable, uh, I wanted to ask you about any real heat with anybody. I mean, did you just not? I mean, you're not saying names. Did you just have anybody you just didn't like yeah, working man, with? Yeah, I've got the I got the heat with the worst one of anybody you could have heat with in the business. In fact, okay. the two of them, the two top guys in the business, I got heat with, and, and, and I don't know, not intentionally, but I did. I was Dusty Rhodes' main boy for a long time. When I was a yeah. fireman, he'd fly me to Tampa to do TV back and forth, and uh, I worked with, with Dusty a lot and this, that, and the other. But but uh, it was something he wanted me to do, and I didn't want to do it, so I walked out. And that was probably my biggest mistake in my career. Yeah. And somehow, not knowingly, he got heat with, with, with Jerry Lawler somewhere in the, in the very beginning when I first went to Memphis, and uh, that was uh, that was not good. Because okay. Dusty was the most egotistical guy in the business, but probably one of the smartest. But uh, the smartest guy I think in the business, is, business-wise, is, is Jerry Lawler. And uh, yeah, now I'm not going to go into details why I think that, but uh, he is. Jerry Lawler is yeah. just incredible, incredibly smart in, in the wrestling business. I've I've heard that both those guys I've heard are very yeah they they had a lot of influence it's a ton of influence they made themselves the most the most influential influential people in wrestling i think yeah okay interesting but another one thing and thank you back i want to mention his name is uh uh man they got a brain the brain gimmick um bobby the brain no no i, I was thinking about well yeah 
Oh, he almost got me killed one night, Bobby Brainheen. Oh, let's hear about yeah, that. Yeah, he almost got me killed. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why he almost got me killed is that okay, – untape, I hate to bid it for a minute, but uh, Charlie Harbin was the uh, referee in Atlanta, and he took the rings up and down. He cut his finger off in that sliding overhead door at TBS, oh. the, old, the old studio. So I had the referee that night in, in Tarleton. And it was Bob Armstrong. Uh, Bobby Heenan was uh, Black Jack Grand Lanza's, uh, uh, I think uh, it was his uh, manager. Okay. So I never refereed before. So Bobby Heenan told me everything to do. He, he almost got me stabbed, man. <laughs> <laughs> when you got a guy like it was over like Bob Armstrong. Now Bob was Bob was a, if you call a guy a sweetheart, and Bob was incredible. Yeah. And Bob Armstrong meant a lot to me in my career. But yeah, he was telling me everything I needed to do, and through the he walked me through the whole match. Yeah, and I was, got me so much trouble, got so much heat on me. <laughs> uh, Bob was uh, such a baby face. And Bob was a man. Uh, you, yeah. you grab Bob out of there, you got you got some trouble from the guy from the front row, man. <laughs> back then, you didn't have to you didn't have to do too much. Just just get a hold, and you work a hold like Ole and Gene Anderson did, and you get heat. That's why the kids think they got to go cheat to get heat. No, you, you go wrestle. <laughs> yeah. You go out wrestle that good guy and try to if he if he. Only the only time you're gonna cheat if you got the top guy like Bob pull his hair one time, but other people on their feet after you. <laughs> I guarantee you. You know, you just gotta know when to pick your you gotta know when to when to hold and when to fold them. You gotta learn that when to go home. Yeah. Biggest thing now teach kids is when when it's time to go home. Yeah. Um, to get off the subject just a moment, but uh, they'll go ahead and have a match and have maybe three matches all into one. And we'll have one match, another match, and another match. Yeah. Thinking they did a heck of a deal, but I mean, one night I went to ask these guys. The first match they had was horrible. The second match was pretty good. Do you know where the second match started? They thought a minute. Yeah, they knew where it started because you know they could tell when it dies. Yeah. They say they started too high. You got to know when they go home. When you start that high, it's time to go home. Yeah. That whole match. That whole match will be a finish. But if you start low, then you can build it to a crescendo. Then go to the house. Mm -hmm. But it's how you start and where you where you start at the way when it's time to go. Yeah, but you got to realize when it's time to go home. In when it's over, it's over, brother. Yeah, and, and if you lost it, it's time to go. Right, you know, saving. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if I got off this. I kind of got off. The That's all right. No, you're 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 good. You're fine. You have to keep, me, keep me in the keep me in the <laughs> perspective here. No, you're fine. I thought thinking about a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of. Let me tell you this story before I forget. It. I got to sure. tell you this story. Man. Probably my best story uh, of my 47 year, whatever it's been, years in the business. I was in the airport somewhere. I didn't even know where it was at. I don't have a clue. It could have been Pennsylvania. It could have been Florida. I don't know. But anyway, I was sitting in there waiting on the plane, and there was a little blonde-headed girl sitting not next to me, but well, kind of next to me in the aisle while we were waiting. And there was an older lady across in front of me in the yellow aisle facing me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this little girl looked at me. I was pretty big at that time. I had a kind of a tight t-shirt on or something. And I had longer hair. And she looked at the back of me while she looked at the front of me. My hair was nice and blonde. It was long, long. I don't know how long it was, but it was pretty long. She looked at the back of me again while she looked at the front of me and real real curiously looked on her face. <laughs> she got up and sat next to her, her grandmama. I said, ma'am, was that your granddaughter? She sure was pretty. And the lady said, yeah. And then the little girl looked up at Granny and said, Granny, that lady talks awful funny. Oh, no. <laughs> she thought I was a lady. I thought that was it. That was, but I do, I've repeated that a lot in the church doing talks in different places. I, I was bringing the story up. I think it's so funny. I mean, yeah. It's so endearing. I guess the little girl looked at me that looked so curious, but looked at the back of me, the front of me, the back of me, and looked at the front again. And so that lady talks awful funny. <laughs> I had a much bigger chest than I got now, but whatever. But uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of a good story. Good. Well, you know, get me back on track here. Oh, you're all right. Uh, favorite promotion or, or territory you worked in? What do you think is your best place you worked at? Well, Texas was a Texas was a great territory. It was a Cali um, was. Hmm. It was so many people at those matches. It was it was a really strong territory because it had a strong TV. Yeah. It had that TV went all over the country, all over the, I don't know about the world, but all over the country anyway. Yeah. 
Uh, it was sellout everywhere we went was a sellout, even more sometimes. Yeah. Um, the Von Erics were the Von Erics or Von Erics. I don't know why five or six of them committed suicide. All 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 the men in that family committed suicide. Yeah. Uh, but I was at, I worked at Texas Stadium there in in, in Dallas, which was. You know, we, we had that first Texas Stadium show for for David Bonnery. It was out yeah. in Japan. Yeah, that was a treat. That that was quite a show. Hundred thousand. Well, I don't know, about seventy thousand people, whatever there. Yeah, it was a lot. All them and go shit go. Uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Okay, so you like yeah. Texas? Your best one? Thanks. Well, it's one of them. But at the my my parting night in Texas, we were at, not Rump Arena. That's in Lexington. Uh, Anyway, it was the, the big arena, uh, I forget what they called it, but in the middle of town. Yeah. And uh, you, all the boys parked down in the basement, down underneath. Mm-hmm. But after the show, oh, it was, must be thousands of people around the top, all around the top, <laughs> overlook, overlooking where the cars come out of that tunnel. Yeah. And here comes the new Corvette. They go, yeah, 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 new Lincoln, yeah, 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 this kind of car, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it comes down. Uh, a silver shadow Rolls Royce comes down and picks me and my wife up. You should have sounded like, sound like it was uh, got sound like the dynamite went off and people went nuts. All that they jump in the cars and follow us all across town, brother. In that in that in that uh, shadow, yeah, that Lord Rolls Royce man. That was uh, that was my last night in there in Dallas. But uh, yeah, that was just kind of a memorable situation. But territories, Dallas was good. But Continental probably is the is the best territory I know, mm-hmm. uh, because it's only about ten or twelve, or like twelve, thirteen, fourteen guys, and uh, they run a real. They used to, and it's not there now. They yeah. run a real, real quaint. Uh, oh, that's not a word to use, but they run a really good territory right there, and it's a small territory, but it's only eight hundred miles a week at that moment, and they can make good money there too as well. Yeah, but it was only just it was a certain amount of guys, and they changed the guys every so often. But uh, Bob Armstrong was was basically the booker there when I was working out of out yeah. Pensacola. Another okay. territory was uh, kind of a fun territory was Knoxville. Okay. Uh, back in there was nineteen. I don't remember nineteen, whatever it was. We were all broke, and I had a seventy-four Pinto station wagon. It was had the. Uh, Smoke coming out of the back end, water running out of the front end. It was me and uh, uh, I, I just mean it was a mom. Anyway, it was two other guys. Mm, Randy Colley was one, and and they were the Moon Dogs in the, in New York. Yeah. Called okay. the Moon Dogs. They had the bone, the soup bone with them. Yeah. But one of them passed away now. But anyway, I had those two guys. They were two hundred fifty pounds a piece, maybe more. All our bags, and I was two there in, in that little Pinto station wagon. <laughs> and we were broke and had no money, uh, and kind of put 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 up the hills of Tennessee and kind of just float down. I had I had to kind of neutral to go down the other side, put 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 back up. And uh, but you want to be a restaurant kid, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's like it was almost like a cartoon in that darn car with the smoke coming out of the back end and water falling out of the front end because they busted radiator or something. You know? <laughs> but we wanted to be a restaurant, but we were making the town, get yeah. our twenty dollar payoff. May make it that town, brother. Couldn't eat, <laughs> barely yeah. get gas to get to town. That's great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it ain't all fabulous like you like you think it is. Is this, uh, you know, you got to pay your dues, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's jump into the next part. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit before we got on on the recording here about the difference between pro wrestling today versus when you when you came in. Uh, what is your biggest? What's the biggest difference to you, as far as the work and everything, all that? Okay. When I'm not sure what year it was when ECW came out. Um, uh, it could have been uh, somewhere in the 90s. Yeah. And all the hardcore stuff. Yeah. I made him take it off TV here in, in town. I wouldn't. I didn't want to show it in town. Uh, okay. Bob wire around the, you know, got razor wire around the ropes, and you got, you know, thumbtacks on the bottom of the ring. You got glass, yes, and you hit, you got, you got staple machines stapling each other with staple machines. Uh, you, you know, I mean, you hit yourself with 
stupid trash can. I mean, what is that? What is that? I gave up a life. I gave up a a job I loved for 10 years or so as a paramedic. I gave up a big home I had built. I gave up a family to be able to walk in a ring, to walk in that wrestling ring, to be able to continue to walk in that wrestling on a full-time basis. You know, it was just hurt to see all this. I, I took it off TV. I didn't want to. Even, I didn't want anybody to even see that stuff out here, because it was yeah. so to me before it was so horrible. But now the wrestling has got to where it's just stuff. I mean, incredible stuff those kids are doing. Now I have yeah. seen a few good shows. The AWE, I'll give them a shot. Shot. I think it's AWE. Uh, uh, Dusty Sun. Yeah, Dustin Rose, Cody. Yeah. Yeah, Cody, Cody Rose. Uh, Jaguars gave him the football team gave him a billion dollars to start that business with. Yeah. Gave him a billion dollars to start AEW. Is it AWE or AEW? What is? It? I'm not sure. What it is. AEW All Elite Wrestling is what it's okay. called. Yeah. Now on that show recently, they've had some incredible wrestling matches on there since they got the Yes guy. What's his name? It's the Yes 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 guy. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Daniel Bryanson. Daniel Bryan, Brian, da- Brian, Brian Danielson, that's his name. Yeah, what is Daniel Bryan, yeah. But they've had some great wrestling matches, on, not just he, but a few other matches I've seen that are really, really good old school matches. Because in the back, in the behind, in behind the scenes, they got old school guys. They got, uh, oh, they got uh, the guy from Florida. I mean, guy from from Texas. Uh, I can't think of names on the hand. Orn Anderson I, is one. Orn started with us in in, in uh, Pensacola. Yeah, um, under his Mister A or whatever he was under a mask, but uh, he's in that black office. He's one of the greatest ever been in the ring, one of the smartest ever in the ring, because he was mentored by Ole Anderson and all that bunch. Yeah, and us and and and, uh, and with Bob and Continental and all the other places where we had real wrestling, mm-hmm. he yeah. became a real wrestler. But anyway, so uh, he's behind that group in the back. So I'm sure they, you know, they're they are oriented to the old school more than than WWE is. Yeah. WWE yeah. could care less as long as they make money. Yeah. They just go. Uh, uh, well, you were there for a little while uh, in the yeah, 90s, I, mean, I believe. They were working with, uh, working with Vince, yeah. Yeah. How how was that for you? Did you... Vince was great. Vince was great. I, I, I really admire, not, I don't know what it is, but I admire Vince. I respect him greatly because he always took care of the boys, I thought. Uh, an instance. You got WCW on one side, and you got WWF on one side. Yeah. We had a big show at WCW one time. Oh, your wife's got to go sit in the car. Well, we do all this stuff right now. Yeah. Oh, really? WWF <laughs> or WWF? It was WWF, I think, maybe at that yeah. point. So yeah. I bring my wife and her, her friend in, and they take them. And Vince has them taken to a VIP seating. Okay. Out, VIP. He puts yeah. them in. That's if, that's, great. if that's now Vince says if you don't don't worry about it we'll fix it WCW it puts so much pressure on you you know yeah. you don't worry about it screw it up if you do we will fix it don't worry about it so you know you won't yeah. you go out with it. it's a whole different atmosphere one hope one trying to say but yeah. there's too many people with, with walk around with papers in the hand with WCW too too yeah. many too many whatevers. And uh, they only had one there at uh, New York, and that was Vince, basically. Yeah. He ran so the show. Two audience, but, you know, you got one guy leading the thing. Over here, you got so many different personalities. Right. You know, trying to get over and all trying to fight each other. Yeah. What is That's interesting, yeah. Did you ever work in, up in uh, Minnesota for the AWA in the 80s or Well, like I, was, no? I was supposed to go up and be tag teaming with, uh, with somebody. I forget who it was. But for some reason, I, I missed the spot. Somebody else took my spot in that. In that, at, with uh, that was the number one territory for years. Was, yeah. was Minnesota, number one money money before Vince took him. When Vince's dad was still alive in New right. York, you know, so Minnesota at that point was, I think, the number one territory to to, to have been in. Mm-hmm. And uh, but no, I, I missed it because somebody took my spot for some reason. Yeah, I, I missed the spot I was supposed to have gone to, but I never went. Okay. Okay. Now I did work with them some. I worked with some of them, and uh, and uh, I was called to come up to uh, Kansas City. Ah. Some of the guys said that in the same area. Yeah. Geigel and all those guys in Kansas City. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, I never did make it to uh, Minnesota. Though, I think. I'm, I'm, 
I, w- I would like to have had. I thought yeah. it might have been a good thing. Yeah, that's where I mainly, uh, when I was a kid in the late 70s and early 80s, you know, that's how we got, I'm from Wisconsin, originally born and raised, and, you know, we got all-star wrestling, AWA, every Sunday, and we'd watch, yeah, it was my thing, but too bad. Yeah, I didn't know if you were there or not. I couldn't, I don't remember, but, I, you know, I was, I've been wrong. I worked with like I said, in Kansas City that one time, and uh, for, for a week, with Bob Brown, I think it was going to work with him. But anyway, yeah. uh, but I never actually went into into Minnesota uh, working there. All right. I never went to Canada. I never went to Canada either. I thought it was too cold. Yeah, Minnesota's pretty cold too. So. I'm Florida, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, one one last question here, and uh, what are you up to now? What are, what's your what kind of projects are you working on or doing? Well, I'm still wrestling most every weekend somewhere. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm just 75. I got I got most years left. Now, you know, get back to what I started and mentioned before by being in the junk. I call it junk or in the distractions. Yeah. Uh, I missed my six figures, and, and, and I missed my six figures because of the junk. Mm-hmm. Now the Lord is smart. Finally smartened me up maybe four or five years ago mm-hmm. and let me work at a high level and leave a legacy and teach these kids the old school wrestling while we have a match. Yeah. He's letting me be where I should have been. I could have been 30 years ago now because I finally got smart. I'm on task. Yeah. I'm on point now. He's teaching them, leaving a legacy, making these kids. I take a kid in the ring now and get everything he knows out of him, and then I go home. Yeah. Anything other than he knows, if, he, if we got it at the end of his knowledge, all he knows what he sees on TV, and I ain't doing all that mess. Yeah. We're going to the now, if we go to the house, you don't understand it. We sit down and talk about it. Say, why did we go to the house? Why did we do this? Why did we did that? Yeah. And let them understand what real listening is about. Yeah. But they have it and let them feel it. You have to feel it to understand it. You got yeah. to feel the perfect jump shot before you ever know what to work to get to one. Mm-hmm. So that's my job now is to teach these kids how to, how to have a real wrestling match. Yeah. And know when it's time to go. Yeah. You know, if you don't go at the right time, you lose it. You lose your. It's no good anymore. You got to go at the right time. You got to know when it's time to go. You got to know what to do. You, it don't matter what you do, but it's got to do whatever you got to do. You got to do it at the right time. You got to listen to people and let them tell you what to do. Yeah. You can't call a match in the back. That's the worst thing you can ever do. I'm teaching these kids. You got to go listen to the people and do what they want and do what they tell you. Yeah. If you listen to them, your brain, they'll come in the ring with you and you got them right with you the whole match. Yeah. And then they'll move, around, they'll move back and forth in that seat and up and down to have you want them to do once you get them in the house. When I do my, when I sing on the floor, I do a little, I do a little in the band a little bit, a little bit. And I'm an entertainer, but I, 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 when I'm singing, I sit down at the table with the folks while I'm singing them. I dance with them. I bring them in my pocket. I got them in my pocket with me. <laughs> That's great. You don't have to be a great talent. You just have to be a, you just have to know how to, how to entertain folks and you put the people first. It's all yeah. about the people. It ain't about us. Yeah. It's about the thing, and they deserve everything you got. I don't leave nothing behind when I go in a match. Yeah, left nothing behind. I guarantee you that when I go out, when they get done watching what I do, yeah, I'm not blowing the horn. I'm just saying what I've learned. Yeah, I've learned how to appreciate the fans and put them first. Yeah, and that those ones that make who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the ones that writes the writes the books and the writes the the notifications and all the stuff about who we did or what we did. Yeah, so you putting people over first. And then, uh, and then that's that's just where it's at. It's about the fans. I'm uh, making fans. Yeah. Give them their money's worth, man. Yeah. Some guys want to go out and just get the money and don't worry about the fans. Yeah. You know, that's you know, some of the older guys who think they're still worth ten million dollars. <laughs> yeah, they go give you ten. They go give you a ten cent match. Yeah. I right. get ten cents. To give you a million dollar match. I still get ten <laughs> cents. But a million dollar match. I don't care what I get. I'm still gonna give you a million dollar match. I guarantee you. Because that's my legacy I'm leaving out there with those fans and with those young kids. They gave me that world heavyweight belt. Yeah. Gave me his belt because I got mine. Because I got cheated out of mine. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Well, I'm so happy that you're 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 giving back, and I know a lot of wrestlers from your from your era do that. They, uh, you know, I had an interview back a few months ago with Les Thatcher. He trains guys. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, you know why we have because we grew up. Yeah. 
we learn we learned uh, we learn life. Yeah. We learn life like it's supposed to be learned from the old guys, yeah. from our fathers and our forefathers. Uh, like your granddaddy or your daddy or granddaddy and his his granddaddy, you learn you learn respect and you learn mm. you, you learn the real deal from those guys from years ago. Yeah, and it goes back to I don't know when wrestling started, but it goes back to when a body slam was a finish. Yes, yes, it goes back <laughs> to those days. That's the real days. Yeah, when you can make a body a body slam a finish. Yeah, you know that. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you just you just. Uh, Learn respect for the business. Learn respect yeah. for the fans. Learn respect for yourself. Yeah. To, to, when I go to a town out, my car is washed. Uh-huh. I've got. I'm dressed. I teach kids. You go. You go to that town dressed. When I walk in, when I drive in the park in that parking lot, I say my car is washed and I'm a superstar. Yeah. I've got. I got the suit on. I got all. I got the suit on. I got all the stuff. Right. And but when I leave and get home, I say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I take trash out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Understand. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Chick Donovan, thank you, sir, for coming on well, today. Think, I really appreciate it. I, I got to finish with this. This is my testimony. Sure. Go ahead. All the folks, I don't know where this airs or when it airs or uh, even where it, where it goes, but uh, any of those folks who listen to this, just raise your hand to the Lord up in heavens. And and, and if, you, if, you ha- if you have any problems in your life, if you and just turn to the Lord, Lord, and just if you need the Lord in your life, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I want Jesus coming to my heart to get my sins and save my soul. Once again, folks, raise that hand up if you got any. If you got any 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 uh, thoughts about not having salvation? Because I think we're in the last days with this COVID and all the things are going. It's not even going to get any better. It's going to get worse and worse. I think this is part of the tribulations that's going on. Uh, that's that's happening to the to the coming back of our Lord. So let's raise our hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I believe in you, Lord. Um, forgive me my sins and save my soul. If you say those prayers in earnestly, Lord, you'll be in, you'll get you'll be in the, uh, the book of world records in the heavens. I guarantee you, when the time comes. But uh, you know it's been great to be here with you, Brian, and uh, God, it's, it's always wonderful to be able to talk about you know talk about wrestling, I guess. Yeah, Chick, thank you again. Thank you for your message. Um, yeah, thank, thank you I, for I, having me. No, I really appreciate it, folks. If you're out there listening, uh, you know Chick, he lives in Lagrange. He's got a Facebook page. I'm sure you can follow him. You just type his name in and follow him. And thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. So much, and I learned a lot today from you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Chick Donovan. Thanks, Chick, again for coming on. Thank you very much. It's time to get back to the gym twice a day. I'll be (laughs) ready for the fans. Got to get the fans, man. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, folks. All right. God bless all you folks up there in that cold country. (laughs) All All right, right. folks, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, this is a total package. Lex Luger, you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday... 9 p.m. Eastern. Just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fist, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. 
Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts will include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Frisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Nick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Bill After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <coughs> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was a hell of a champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Aster, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. The rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 